So about a month ago, I, was, I thought my child, Bryce, my four-year-old son, I thought he was in grave danger, right? I was at home. It was me and him. I was supposed to be taking care of him. And as a father, one thing that you don't want to do, you don't want an accident to happen on your watch. And so I was upstairs just for a few moments. Bryce was downstairs, and I'm getting something done. I'm, head, I'm getting ready to head back downstairs, and all of a sudden I hear, ah, ah, my eye. So I, I panicked. My son is in danger. I run downstairs trying to figure out what's going on. He's on the couch. He's rolling around. My eye. I can't take it. I'm like, Bryce, what's wrong? Did you poke your eye? No, it hurts so bad. Bryce, what's going on? It's an eyelash. <laughs> an eyelash. An eyelash. Okay, all right. But I need to take care of my son. So I, I lay him down on the couch. He's like, I, Dad, just take my eye out. He's just being just crazy about it at this time. Take my eye out. I open his eye up. I blow. Hey, it's gone. Thanks, Dad. You saved me. Really? An eyelash. But it made me think something so small could have that significant amount of impact in our lives. And I thought about it. An eyelash. That small percentage, small component of our body has the ability to take us down. Right? When I think about the tongue, it's the same thing. The tongue is such a small portion of our body, but it has the ability to completely take us down and completely take, take out people that are around us as well if we don't guard against it. So I want you to open your Bibles up to James 3, and we're going to talk about the tongue. The tongue has the power to start wars, right? If I'm, if I'm talking to you specifically, it has the power to just destroy a friendship, a friendship that you've built up over the years. It's taking 10, 15 years that you've been close with somebody, and your tongue has the power to destroy that friendship in just a few words. That power should be concerning to you, and it's concerning to James, so concerning that he mentions it in each of the five chapters in the book of James. In chapter 1, he mentions it in Verse 19 and 26, I'll read 26 for you, it says, if anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Chapter 2, verse 12, so speak and so act those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. We're going to talk a lot about chapter 3 tonight, but chapter 4, verse 11, James says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And then lastly, in chapter 5, verse 12, he says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. The tongue is a tattletale for the heart. You know what tattletales are, right? You have siblings or, or your friends have siblings. It's that little brother or sister that goes, mom, mom. He's doing it again, and you're like, come on, are you serious? The tattletale is that, or excuse me, the tongue is a tattletale for the heart. Everything that's happening in the heart, the tongue releases. It lets it be known. Luke 6.45 tells us, for out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. By the end of this message, my goal is for you to have a better understanding of the power of the tongue and the danger that it has. And the fact that you can see a crystal clear picture of your heart by the words that you say. Okay? As we start in verse 1, James chapter 3, it says, 
Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I want to pause right there and explain what James is talking about there. So during this time, Christianity was on the move, right? And everybody wanted to sign up and become teachers. Even people that weren't worthy to become teachers. They didn't have the qualifications. They just thought it was a good thing to do. James says not everybody should become teachers. Why? Because when you're teaching, you're using your tongue. And the tongue can get you in trouble the quickest. And you're leading others as well. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 23. He's talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, these are the people that want the best seats in the house. Right? They do it to be seen by others. They do it for greetings in the marketplace. They're not doing it for God. Okay? Verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So I don't want that to be confused. That word perfect, James is not talking about being perfect, being flawless. We know there's only one person that was ever that, that walked the face of this earth, and that was Jesus Christ. But when he uses that word perfect, he's talking about being, being complete, Right? Being spiritually mature. And when you're spiritually mature, you're able to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, we get into the analogies that he's talking about the size. Right? So if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the, the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? And neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So I want to unpack those, those, those analogies that he talks about in size, starting in verse 3. So we think about a horse bit. If you don't know what a horse bit is, a horse bit is on average about five inches wide. It's about the size of the pen that you have in your hand. And basically the horse bit goes in the mouth of the horse and it's able to control a 1,000, 2,000 pound animal. It, it makes it able to turn left, turn right, come to a screeching halt. All with this five inch bit that's in its mouth. So small, but yet such a significant impact. What about the rudder on a boat? You think about these massive cruise ships, right? Some of these cruise ships are, are bigger than this building, floating on water. And they're controlled by a slim rudder, a rudder that looks like a dolphin fin that's at the bottom. It's really, really thin, and it dictates the way it goes just by making a move. It can turn a boat into a whole circle just by going left or right. And then last, one thing that's, that's probably related close to us, we're experiencing it now, is these wildfires, right? They all start off with these small fires. And I thought about, what, what's one that's been 
around us that, that, that impacted Orange County. And the last one we had was around this time last year. It, was in, it started in Riverside. It was called the Holy Fire. You might remember that name. It started in Riverside, and it got all the way down to North Orange County. And this Holy Fire spread across 23,000 acres. Right? It took over 30 days to contain this fire. Over 1,000 firefighters trying to take out this fire. And it was started by one man, one small fire up in campgrounds, up in Riverside, got out of control purposely, but it led to 23,000 acres burned and destroyed. See, this, this three-inch slab of muscle and tissue that we have in our mouth, it has the power alone to destroy friendships, to destroy relationships, to cost you your job quicker than, than anything else. And we have to understand that power. And that gives us point number one tonight. Understand the power within your words. Understand the power within your words. Your words have made people's day, and it has ruined people's day. And most of the time, it's without you even knowing anything about it. You had no intentions of doing that. That's why as Christians, we, we can't have careless talk. We can't have throwaway words or just filler words that we don't think about, but we're just carrying on a conversation. One of the biggest violations that we have is using words like OMG, Jesus Christ, Lord have mercy, good Lord. Those are all biblical words, right? But we use them in place of a four-letter filth word. That's called blasphemy. Blasphemy is taking a, a, a holy, holy name, holy word, and then using it for common purposes. Not even common purposes, we're using it to describe something that we're disgusted by, that's filth to us, that we're angry about, frustrated about. That's how we're using the holy name of God. The third commandment in the Ten Commandments is very clear. The Bible is very clear on this. Exodus 20, verse 7 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That word vain is, is not having any real value. Okay, and that's how we're, we're using the word. Some of you might be thinking, right, you know what? That's why I use abbreviated words. I say, gosh. I say, geez. That doesn't make it any better. It's still the same motive at the end of the day. You're blaspheming the highly, named, the highly exalted name of Jesus Christ in God, our Lord and Savior. We need to cut it out. We got to stop that. Stop using those words. We have a hard enough time trying to stop the rest of the world from doing it, and we, we probably won't. But as Christians, we can't feed into that and normalize that word like it's just okay to do. It's not. The tongue can have just power to destroy unity and fellowship, fellowship like we have here. I think about gossip, and I think about complaining, and, and it's happened here. Right? You, you, you talk to somebody, and they complain or they gossip about somebody else. And before you know it, your whole persona, your image, your judgment of that person becomes the gossip that you just heard. You don't even know that person. But yet, you've listened to gossip, you listen to complaining that's happening, and now that's, that's prevented you from having a relationship with that person. You don't even know the situation, but we fell into listening to gossip. What about sarcasm? We all do that. Just trying to be funny, right? Being sarcastic with our words 
Outside is funny, right? We think it's funny, but inside we're tearing people up. Again, people might not show that it's hurting them because they want to fit in too. They want to laugh. Ha, 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 it, it is funny, but when I get home, it hurts me. As Christians, we can't do that. We got to be all about building up people, encouraging people. Turn with me to Matthew 12, verse 36. I want to show you what Jesus says about our use of words. He makes it very clear here. And I just want to make sure that we get eyes on it as we read through it. Matthew 12, verse 36. We're going to go 36 and 37. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for words they speak in church. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. Let's try that again. People will give account for some of the careless words that they speak. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that either. It says people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every careless words. That means the words you say to your non-believing friends, the conversations you have with them. That means the jokes you make behind people's backs, that if they were to hear it, they'd be mortified. That means what you say in the car when somebody cuts you off and words just come out of your mouth. Right? That means the text messages that you send that are to one specific person, so you think. That means what you post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, your social media. Did he say my social media? Yes, I said your social media. We're talking about that. We can look at the last 30 days of your social media, and I can tell you everything about who you are and who you want to be. I, I, as you know, I work in human resources, and I interview a lot of people. And what's funny about interviews is they're about 45 minutes long, and you're going to tell me everything that I want to hear, right? What's even funnier is resumes, and while I'm not saying don't do a resume, yes, create a resume, but, but resumes, they're, they're going to say everything that you wanted to say. It's going to tell you all the good news on a resume, right? But what's interesting about that, if I really want to know about a person, you know what I do? I go right to their social media. It tells me everything I want to know about who they are, because you don't hide that stuff. That's the true person. Resumes are just a facade. Of course they're going to sound good. Of course they're going to make you look good, right? It's just like here, being in church. Of course you're going to say the right things. But what are you saying outside of church? What is your tongue saying then when you're not around other believers and you're not just saying things because it's the right thing to do? Just think for a moment. If I were to take your phone, right, and I'll go back to the tech team, and we, we, we got your password, boop, 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 boop. We click it in, right? That's my sound for that, okay? Just go with me. So we click in your password, and we pull up your, your text message thread, right? We pull up your social media account, and we just scroll right through it. We put it right up there, and we just read yours. We're talking about yours, and we go through all the text messages you said in the last 30 days. How does it make you feel, right, if we're reading through yours right now? Are you ashamed? I don't scroll to that next one. I really don't want people to see what I said there. Or 
does it support a true believer, a true follower of Jesus Christ? Because it should. But I guarantee you, if I said, give me your phone right now after telling you that, you, you might be a little hesitant. We shouldn't have anything to hide. Everything about us should be sharing that we're believers in Christ. Some of you, we don't even have to go past today, right? I said 30 days. We can just go to today and realize that, that what you're saying in here and what's happening in here and how you're acting in, there, in here is totally different than what we're seeing. And that can't be. I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. Social media is a great outlet if you use it the proper way. It's a great way to get the name of Christ out there. We got a lot of people that use it the right way. But then there's some other people that, that are hiding certain things. We can't have it. We can't be that way. God sees it all. You might be fooling us, but God sees it all. There's these things called depositions. Uh, they're, they're related to lawsuits. It's a version of lawsuits, right? So in California, Sue Happy State, uh, people sue corporations all the time. And what happens typically when you, when you sue a corporation, first the attorneys try to figure it out. So you have the plaintiff's attorney and then the defendant's attorney, they try to figure it out. If they can't figure it out, the next level is called a deposition. Deposition is they bring in representatives from the company and then the plaintiff who is, is, is making the lawsuit. And what they'll do during these depositions is they have the ability to go back and extract any email that you've ever sent that has that person's name. So let's call him Johnny. Any email that I've sent that has Johnny's name, they're able to take it out and review it. And they go back as far as they want to. So in these depositions, it's rough. I've, I've been in plenty of them and you sit there and they're like, so Kellen, back in 2015, you know what you said about Johnny? I don't know what I said about Johnny yesterday. Like, I, no, I, I don't. But what's nerve-wracking about that is like, you, you don't know what's about to come. But that's in the deposition. They have parameters that they can only go grab stuff that relates to Johnny. God doesn't have any parameters. God gets every word that we've said. And we'll have to hold, we have to hold an account to that at the end of this life. So what I want you to do is, when you're thinking about your text message, when you're thinking about social media, all I'm asking is, is, look, every time you hit send, realize that there's two recipients. One is the person that you're sending it to, and you're giving them a message of what you want them to believe about whatever the topic is. And then also you're sending it to God. And what you're telling God is, do you have a high view of him or do you have a low view of him? Okay? Think about that. Every time you hit send, what is this saying about God? So let's get back to our passage in verse 6. And James gives us some analogies about the force of the tongue. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Earlier this summer, we had an opportunity to take uh, my son Bryce for his birthday to the San Diego Zoo. And it was awesome. I, I was so excited to go to the San Diego Zoo. Bryce and I sometimes will watch Animal Planet, right? And you see the lion massive, king of the jungle. Right? The lion's taking out bears, 
Any kind of animal that gets in his way, the lion just takes them out. So I'm excited. We get to go to San Diego Zoo, and we go to the lions. And he's looking at the lions, and I'm like, hey, there, there's a lion, the one we see on Animal Planet. But something was different, right? This lion wasn't the same one that I saw on Animal Planet. This lion is in, the, in, in, his, in his pen with another human being. And the lion looks more like my dog at home. The lion's rolling on his back. The, the, the trainer's rubbing his stomach. You know, he's playing around. He's putting his head in his mouth. And I'm like, this lion's supposed to eat this man. What is he doing? But I, I didn't wish he ate him. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm like, animal planet. It's not the same. The difference is the lions at the zoo are tamed. That taming process is they had this human connection their entire life. So they don't see humans as enemies. They see humans as a provider, somebody they can have fun with, somebody that's going to protect them. But the Bible says the tongue has had the same human connection its entire life. The thing is it's opposite, though. We can't control the tongue. If I use the same zoo illustration, I mean, it's, it's even caged in if you think about it. You got your teeth caging in your tongue. You got your mouth, your lips sealing it in. It's caging it in. But one thing about it, every time you open up that cage, you got two options. You got this lion coming out, this vicious lion from Animal Planet, or you got the self-controlled tame lion that can also come out. Okay. But verse 8 tells us there's no human being that can control or tame the tongue. So that leaves us with one option, and that's God. And so we have to constantly be praying multiple times of the day. God, guard my tongue all throughout the day. That's point number two for us tonight is guard your tongue with constant prayer. Guard your tongue with constant prayer. That's the only chance we have of taming the tongue. We think about Peter in the Gospels denying Christ three times. Think he wished he could have had that back? Those words just came out. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. And the third time he says that the rooster crows and Jesus look back, looks back at him. And Peter's ashamed. He wants those words back. What about you? Out of reaction, you snap back at one of your friends. All right, road rage. You're on, the, you're on the highway driving. Somebody cuts you off. You just unleash some words at them that are never nice. Ah! Whatever that is. I bet you want that back sometimes. You immediately regret some of those words. And the only way we get those words back, or we don't get those words back, the only way we can stop those words are through prayer. Prayer, understanding that you, you, you're getting a little frustrated, you're getting a little irritable as you're driving. Pray. You should be praying throughout the day, guard, God, guard my tongue. But even when you feel yourself getting up there, right, you need to pray before those words come out of your mouth. Our words can easily be so negative because they're led by the flesh. In Scripture, the tongue is given many definitions. A lot of them are negative. Right? Wicked, deceitful, blasphemous, foolish, corrupt, filthy. All of these words are in the Bible describing your tongue. 
we already have a battle that's going on with, with our human tendency. The human tendency, what I mean by that is the human tendency is to hold on to negative words. Think about it. I could ask you right now, what's the most hurtful thing somebody's ever said to you in your life? You can probably think of something right off the bat. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. You could probably tell me the specific time, the specific place, who it was that said it, and the impact that it made. Think about something way back in second grade that impacted me for a long time. If I flip the question and ask you to think about the nicest thing somebody's ever said to you, you could probably think about it, but it might take you a while to recall what that was. You might have to sort through a few things, organize that and say, yeah, I I think this is it. It doesn't come up as fast as negativity. Our human tendency is to hold on to the negative. So as Christians, we got to be extra careful. We got to be in prayer even more to make sure that our words are under control. Our words are being tamed and it's being tamed by prayer. There was a study that was done uh, at the University of Arizona. It was on speaking, right? They polled thousands of people and did a study on them. And and, and what they realized is on average, the average human being says 15 to 16,000 words a day. 15 to 16,000 words a day. On the low end, somebody spoke 795 words a day. On the high end, Somebody spoke, get this number right, 48,000 words, 47,000 words, excuse me. And just to put that in perspective, there's, there's 86,400 seconds in a day. So in order for somebody to speak 47,000 words, that means they said a word every other second at minimum for 24 straight hours. Please don't put that person around me, all right? And if you're wondering, you're like, oh, that had to be a female. No, both of them were males. Males either don't talk or they talk way too much, okay? But when we think about that number, the reason I give you that is 15,000, 16,000 on average, that's so many opportunities just to sin just by our tongue. And I'm not saying 15,000, 16,000 words that we, that we speak have to be flawless, But guys, we got to do a better job of being more controlled, being in prayer, making sure that everything that comes out of our mouth is controlled, is guarded by the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Let me give you three specific things. Number one, we've mentioned this already, but pray daily to guard your mouth. Pray daily to guard your mouth. Psalm 141, verse 3, David says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Should be a daily prayer for us to guard our mouth. Number two, watch the company that you keep. That will make a significant impact to you based on the company that you keep. And for those of you that, that, that try to have a separate church friend group, and then all of a sudden when you, when you want to be non-churchy, if you will, you go, you go to a different friend group. That doesn't work. It shouldn't be that way. You can't, you can't have both. If you, you think you desire to have both and you think that's going to be the right thing to do, you cannot tame the tongue being two different people, nor does God want you being two different people. 
Our God is a jealous God. He wants all of you. If he's not having all of you, then, then, then you don't have the right God. You don't have your full trust in Jesus Christ. If you were to bring uh, one of your non-church friends in here and they sat right next to you while you were here at the bridge, and as you spoke and as they, they heard you in small groups, if they were to turn to you and be like, oh, dude, who are you? I've never heard you say these words. That's not a good thing. And you don't have to have that happen if you know that's the truth and you know it right now. We need to be all about Jesus Christ, not sometimes, not just when we're in church. That needs to be our life. Number three is always filter what you take in. Always filter what you take in, what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, what you fill your mind with, your heart with, it's bound to come out. So we need to have a filter on that. Some of you might be thinking, nah, you know what? I mean, that's not for me. Somebody else should write those notes down. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I'm fine. That same potential rests in every one of us, okay? It said, the, the verse says it's restless, full of deadly poison. It's just fighting to get out all the time. You have these situations where, where you think you're okay and you got your guard down and, and you go around your friends and they're laughing and joking and, you know, using the Lord's name in vain and everything. And, you know, you're, you're thinking, I, I can be here. I can stand here. I'm okay. And then before you know it, you start to chuckle at a few of the jokes, right? And then before you know it, you're laughing just as hard as everybody else. And then without even thinking about it, you've now stated a joke as well and you've become part of the group. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to have our guard down and think that, hey, I don't, I don't have to pray to guard my tongue at all times. I'm okay. Because just in that moment is when we have our defense down that it's too late then. Satan's working. Satan's working overtime trying to get us to do this. And we have to understand that sin, sin most oftentimes starts very small. Right? A bank robber, that wasn't his first assignment was to rob a bank. Started off with candy, and then it elevated up to get to the point where he's robbing a bank. So we need to be, always be on guard, always be in prayer. I, I recently made some adjustments at, at work. I switched teams. I had a, a team up in L.A., um, and I no longer have that team now, and I, I switched just to have uh, Orange County in San Diego. But the team in L.A., they threw me a, a little sort of going-away party, I guess, if you want to call it that. I was no longer, that's no longer my territory, so they wanted to, to throw me a little going-away party, and, you know, they got me a, a, a cologne, a gift that was cologne. And yeah, I'm always skeptical about cologne because, you know, some people have different tastes, right? And so the cologne that they got me, when I saw it, this, this bottle was, it was a weird looking bottle. The cologne was great at the end of it all, but it was a weird looking bottle. And it just made me think how much creative thought goes into a cologne bottle, perfume bottle. Like there, there are all kinds of different shapes and, and sizes and colors and things, but at the end of the day, what, what I thought about with cologne is you, you don't have a true grasp of what the quality is until it's sprayed. Well, it's the same thing with our words. We don't have a true grasp of where our heart is until we open our mouth and it's exposed, and then we can see the quality. Right? The tongue only produces what is told by the heart. So you, you, you either have a heart of anger, which produces a harsh tongue. Right? You have a self-righteous heart which produces a judgmental tongue. 
you have an ungrateful heart, which produces a lot of grumbling coming from the tongue. On the flip side, you got a loving heart, which is a grateful tongue. Okay? You also got a faithful heart, which is a truthful tongue. And then you can have a trusting heart, which is, is a tongue of encouragement that we often use. So as I talk a lot about the tongue today and how we should control it and, and, and be careful with what we speak, I, I know some of the leaders right now are probably thinking like, this is going to be an awkward small group, nobody's going to talk, right? But, but I'm not condoning silence. I'm not saying don't say anything, right? God gave us our words for a reason. But what I am saying is make sure that there's some control in everything that you say, that we're not just spewing out words without thinking about them. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. So yeah, silence may, may get you out of trouble, but God calls us to be edifying, to be encouraging, to be speaking the truth of his words, speaking the truth about the gospel at all times. So let's take a look at the remaining four verses that we have in our text, and we'll talk more about how we can actually use our tongue the way God intended for it to be used. So we'll pick it up in verse 9. It says, with it we bless our Lord, talking about our tongue and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth? From the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I think about negative and, and positive words. I think about words that are positive, that are like, I, I love you, or, or saying I'm sorry. It's forgiving, and it's, 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 it's trending towards positivity. Uh, and I think about negative words like, you know, I, I hate this, or I dislike this person. How easy is it for us to let off something? I dislike something. I don't like this. I don't like this person. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this, right? It's so much easier just being in the flesh, letting those words just come out. We don't even have to think about it. They just naturally come out. My kids, when, when they're eating something they don't like, it's like, ah, I hate this. Like, who taught them that? It, it wasn't taught. It's the flesh. It just comes right out. We don't even have to think about it. When I think about saying, I love you, I'm sorry, sometimes it's hard for us to say I'm sorry. It's hard for us to apologize. It's like the last resort. When you run out of options, when you run out of excuses, then you're like, hey, you know what? I, I apologize. I'm sorry. But it's hard for us to do that. Before I was saved, I, for me, it, that was the hardest thing to do, was to admit that I was wrong, to say that I'm sorry. Even to tell my wife, I, I, I love you, it was pathetic. And the reason it was pathetic is because it was all about me. I cared about my image. I wanted to be right. I was so prideful that I couldn't even say those things. If you're a Christian in this room today, it shouldn't be about you. It should be all about Christ. Always have Christ in mind. And that brings us to our third point tonight is always speak with Christ in mind. Always speak with Christ in mind. 
Just think about how different your, your, your speech would be if, if every morning you woke up, you had to, had to put a recorder in your pocket. I mean, really serious kind of doing that. She randomly answer and you didn't even call her name. So I think we're being recorded anyway. But for, for this sake, if you knew you had a recorder and at the end of the day, you had to go meet with, with one of your leaders or one of your pastors and you went through every word you say, think about how different your words would be. Think about how much more careful you would be about cert- saying certain things, hanging around certain people, because you know that that would, that would instigate you to say things you shouldn't say. What well, we are being recorded, again, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to have to hold account for every word that we say. So we should be slow to speak. And if you don't know Christ, you, you can't be controlled. And I know it's hard for some people to swallow, but it is true because if you don't know Christ, then the way that you're trying to tame your tongue is not the biblical way. It's not the way that God's calling us to tame our tongue. The only way you can have that is through the Holy Spirit and having Christ as your Lord and Savior. You might be thinking, man, there's some nice people out there. I even think about that we had some Mormons come to our door uh, not too long ago. And, And man, they were nice. They were great people. And it was sad because you, you know, they, they, they thought they were doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, the way that they're being nice, they're doing it to check a box. They're doing it for works. They're doing it to, to, to earn salvation. We've already learned this in the book of James. We, we don't earn salvation. It's a gift by the grace of God through faith alone, through Christ alone. That's it. And, and we learned in, in chapter 2 that the, the reason that we can have a tame tongue. The reason that, that we can work is because of the salvation that's already been done beforehand that's allowed us to produce the works. It's not about what we do and then we add it to Jesus. That's not it. God doesn't need us to add anything. And so when I think about the way other people are thinking that they're taming the tongue, it's, it's through the flesh and it's through what the world, how the world is saying to do it. It's not how the Bible is telling us to do it. Therefore, they're not ever going to tame the tongue in a biblical way unless they have the Holy Spirit and dwell within them. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up and fits the occasion that it might give grace to those who hear. We should be using our tongue to advance his kingdom, to speak boldly the truth and to speak the gospel, but understanding that Satan's hard at work too, so it's not going to be easy to do that. As Christians, our our words should reflect the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about it a lot. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit fruit of the Spirit, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how we should be examining ourselves at all times. Your heart is just, your tongue is just heart in, in word form, right? That's all it is. So what are some practical things that we can do before we speak? Here's a few questions you can ask yourself. Does this represent Christ well? Does this represent Christ well? How would I feel if this was exposed for all the public to hear? Is this uplifting or encouraging? For am I ready to give an account for this? 
And lastly, what is my motive in saying this? We need to be using the tongue for love and encouragement. Before I got my first job, I was so happy that it was a a salary-paying job. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I didn't have to clock in and out of salary. But salary is not what it's all cracked up to be because you're always on. They can call you at night, in the morning. You're always on. You're always being paid, right? So your salary. Well, we're on salary for Christ if you're a true believer. You're always on. There's no off periods. Right? You don't get the clock out. You're always on for Christ. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. James tells us in this entire verse, control your tongue and you can control the body. I think about fires and wildfires. Uh, We have this app at home on our our TV. It's it's a fireplace app. Uh, Chelsea and I used to love being able to light the fireplace and just enjoy time together. Uh, Now that we have kids, it's not so smart to light the fireplace and have young ones running around. So we decided to put a fireplace app. And it's pretty ridiculous because sometimes we'll sit on the couch as if we had a real fire and it's on TV. Um, And my kids like to go touch it, which I don't know if that's setting them up for success because they they think that they can just touch it and it doesn't, it's not hot. But anyway, we have this fireplace app. But when I think about a fireplace, it it has its specific position, specific home in the house, right? And if it gets one foot outside of that fireplace, it spreads into a wildfire. It takes out the house. When I think about our tongue, if we're not guarding our tongue and we get a few words outside of, of the guard of our tongue, it can take down relationships. It can take down friendships. Right? It can be devastating. Very dangerous. The tongue can be used to, to kill, to destroy, to take down people, nations, a lot of things. The tongue exposes a lot of things that that we we don't care for people to know about us. But my prayer for all of you today is whether you haven't had a controlled tongue or you've been pretty decent about controlling your tongue, that we understand the need to use the tongue to encourage, to lift up, to build up for the name of Christ. We use it to speak the truth, to engage people in the true gospel. And know that at the end of this lifetime, there will be an examination from God on how we exactly use every single word that's come out of our mouth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this text, Lord. It's it's not an easy text. Uh, It's it's one that is very convicting to all of us. uh, Because how we use our tongue, Lord, it, it, it can be so evil. It can be so wicked if we don't pay close attention to it, if it's not guarded. Lord, and I pray that through this text that we've had and, and this opportunity we've gotten to, to read the book of James and, and chapter 3 and learn just how wicked our tongue can be, I pray that, that we are just more cognizant of that, Lord, that, that we come to you in prayer more uh, throughout the day to make sure that we're not saying harmful words, but we're using the gift of the tongue to be able to speak truth to people, to lift people up, to encourage people. The world tells us something that's totally different. The world tells us it's it's not a big deal. It's just words. But it is a big deal, Lord. 
And you've told us in your word that we'll, we'll have to hold an account for every single word that we say, Lord. And so help us to, to be more prayerful about those words. Help us to fill our minds and our hearts with, with scripture, with, with good music, with good, good friendships, so that we're not susceptible to let our tongue fly off the handle and be loose with it. Um, I, I thank you for this, this time that uh, we get to have at the bridge, Lord, and I thank you for the fellowship. And even the fact that knowing that, that words of encouragement can go a long way, what we say to lift somebody up tonight can, can, can help them throughout the entire week. So help us to be uplifting, to be encouraging about everything that we say. Lord, and I just pray for our small group time. I pray that, that people would just be more self-controlled, realizing what they're saying and the meaning that it has. I pray that every word that we speak, regardless of who we're speaking to, that they can just hear our words and, and see that we're believers in the true Jesus Christ and that our words would show that. And we know that whatever comes about our, our, our mouth is coming from the heart, Lord. That's what it is. It's our heart, Lord. So, so help us to, to guard our mouths and uh, guard our tongues in everything that we do. And I pray for our small group discussions tonight. Let them be profitable and uh, help us to go apply this word uh, starting tonight and, and on through the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.